0: On this episode of the Naturist Living Show, skeptical to fanatical.
1: This episode of the Naturist Living Show is brought to you by Bear Oaks Family Naturist Park. At Bear Oaks, we offer traditional naturist values in a modern setting. Free your body, free your mind. www.bearoaks.ca
0: Welcome, dear listener, to episode 111 of the Nature's Living Show. My name is Stefan Deschein. I'm your host for this podcast and the owner and operator of Baroque's Family Nature's Park. And I want to start by apologizing for anyone who is a Spotify listener who listens on Spotify. Well, you're, you may not be hearing this if you're on Spotify. Um, at the time of recording this, which is at the beginning of November 2019, um, Spotify uh, removed us from their catalog because a previous person that I interviewed um, thought things changed in their life, and they didn't want to be in the show anymore because uh, their name was associated with views which they didn't hold anymore. Um they they demanded that we take it down, and I said no, because uh, at the time of recording, it was accurate. They knew what they were doing. They knew what they were recording. I mean, you don't go and ask the New York Times to unpublish a story because it you changed your point of view or your life. Circumstances have changed. At that time, it was true. So... Um, to make a long story short, the person decided to uh, make a copyright claim that the material was their copyright and I was violating it. It's not. There's lots of case law that says that when you do an interview, the person that's interviewing you has the copyright to that interview. Um, Apple sent me a note. I explained. They dropped the whole issue. Very simple. Spotify... Dropped the show instantly, and then sent me a note. And since then, it's been five or six weeks, I've sent numerous emails and I'm not getting any response. So hopefully that will get fixed soon. Fortunately, Spotify doesn't account for a ton of traffic, but um, hopefully it will get fixed soon. And for those of you who are on Spotify, then maybe that's why you're hearing this now, because it's been fixed. Uh, but anyway, if you are and you're hearing this, I apologize, and hopefully it'll be fixed soon. But the show is available for anybody who asks almost anywhere. There's ton- almost every directory lists us. Um, I'm not sure why Spotify took such a stern position. Uh, to I mean, they didn't even ask my side before dropping it. So anyway, that's the way it is. Nothing I can do about it. And certainly the majority of listeners um, should be fine. We have a comment. So, another comment. This is exciting. Let's take a listen.
2: Hello, Stefan. This is Scott from Virginia calling again. My first time trying the comment line by phone. Very glad to hear that you're back in the saddle with regular podcasts. Glad to see that you haven't uh, had a big episode of pod fading. You mentioned that earlier on in the show about how you hope not to do that. I don't think you have. And it's awesome that you now have some additional hands helping you in the production. I just finished listening to episode 110, and I very much enjoyed the post credit scene or audio scene, blurb, bite, I don't know what you call it, but that was a nice touch. I like the uh, Paris Bueller reference and even the tip of the cap. Of course, I can't go home. I'm in the car, and free I just wanted to thank you for just putting together awesome shows month after month, quote-unquote. A couple of suggestions maybe for some future shows. I'm not sure how much uh, you've heard of the various three the Nipple, slash. Top freedom, topless law, rumblings going on south of your border here in the U.S., but uh, there are a couple of big cases that are already being looked at or they've already had some relative success or it's still kind of in limbo. There's a case in Ocean City, Maryland, I think, that's still ongoing. I believe, actually, young Miss Felicity from... Uh, formerly of the YNA, um, is involved or was involved in the lawsuit in some way. Uh, there's a woman, she I think she goes by Chelsea Covington, or that's her real name because of the lawsuit, uh, who has done a really amazing blog called Breasts Are Healthy, where she writes all about top freedom and other issues surrounding women's breasts and how they're seen in society, and the work that she does to promote top freedom, including this uh, most recent, well, last year, I think, 2018, with the top freedom issue uh, when she went top free in uh, Ocean City. And then you probably know there's been some recent top freedom ruling in uh, like Fort Collins, Colorado, I think it went all the way to the appeals district, the appeals court. I don't know. The one right below the Supreme Court, and the appeals court, said, No, Fort Collins, you can't make women be different than men and keep their tops on when men don't have to wear uh, tops to cover their chest. So that has had some significant implications for... Maybe future issues in that part of the country, because of how the appellate court system works, I think, and then there was another a case in somewhere in New Hampshire, I think maybe even a little older than the Fort Collins one. Maybe you could email or interview some of the people involved in that. that would be cool. maybe some interviews compiled about reluctance spouses. I I think you mentioned possibly doing an episode on that at some point in the future, and you have touched on the topic in in various episodes, like when it comes to introducing a significant other to naturism or, like, the relative successes uh, that we've heard um, recently from, like, the lady in the LDS episode um, and the one, the parent... um, she gave an interview... The mom, she gave an interview in the Modern Families podcast and they, they have had success with, with their husbands uh, being okay with the naturist uh, proclivities of their wives and in some cases even joining along, but we haven't heard much about what to do when you either introduce your spouse to naturism or you uh, come into naturism during the course of marriage, and then the spouse is somewhat reluctant. Hasn't divorced you, say, but is is very reluctant to participate or possibly even reject that part of you. And, And maybe you could also interview a few people from the Florida Young Naturist. They've been around for more than 11 years now. I was super excited to finally get to my first batch. They do three batches a year spring, summer, and winter, I think. Maybe four big get-togethers overall. There's something in the fall, I think. I went to the ninth annual. I went to the big 10-year anniversary one that was actually a week long. It spanned it two weekends, which was really cool, good for them. So they're, they're doing a great job with the grassroots side of things, with keeping young people in the movement, bringing them in. There's lots of great recruiters, if you will, in that organization. They don't do as much big media interviews um, as, say, YNA did or the Tiki's with the with the new volleyball, but it's all one big happy family, for the most part, down there in Florida, and they have people from all over the country, all over the world, that, that attend one of my buddies from Australia came for the ten-year one, and that was awesome because he was the first young naturist that I rode with from the airport to an inner event that preceded Florida young Naturist that sort of helped birth that organization. So it was awesome to, to see him again. So yeah, give give them a give them a ring because they are doing great things down in Florida, and every now and then they have, they sort of plant seeds for other groups in other parts of the country. Like, I think they have ties to the guy in Mexico that you interviewed, he's cool. They have ties to the Why Not You folks down in Texas, the young naturists of Texas uh, United, I think. So, So, yeah, lots of future topics because new recreation can only get bigger, I feel like society is finally starting to, you know, not use the chuckles and you know, knocking haha, ha, nudist colonies, haha, ha, awkward stuff. They're starting to see that it's just another way to live and it doesn't have to be sexual. I think you've mentioned that on a show recently. You know, sometimes when the news stories cover it, they they don't chuckle as much, they just sort of present it as, and here's part of society. So that's cool. So yeah, thanks for all the awesome stuff you do.
0: So, if First time stories are always popular in the naturist movements. I'm not sure, you know, I I guess we like to convert people. We like to see people uh, learn like we did and experience and discover something new. And um, so, you know, I I try not to do too many of these, but... uh, Uh, Brady was uh, interesting because he came to naturism with his girlfriend. Uh, He's a young person, uh, you know, to my point that I make all the time that there's lots of young people interested in naturism. And um, he found in naturism, he was skeptical, a little concerned. He did a lot of research, asked a lot of questions. uh, But he truly went from skeptical to fanatical, as the title says. I mean, he is... Uh, life changing kind of thing. Um, he's a f- also a podcaster and uh, he uh, wanted to share on his podcast we're going to be doing an interview um, he has a podcast reviewing movies um, and we're going to be doing an interview there and talk about nature's movies he also is going to help with the volleyball tournaments by doing uh, he's, he's already helped he's he's a DJ and he's going to, do, uh, going to do a kind of rave next year hopefully make it really exciting and have a lot of fun with it um, and he's really really um gotten into the whole concept of ethical naturism not just getting naked for the sake of being naked but as a way to change yourself and to change the world so we had to we had to sit down and chat and uh, i'll let you listen
3: yeah so my name is brady and i am 26 years old and are you are you a naturist uh i would say yes how long have you been a naturist? Um, almost two months to the day. That's pretty. That's a pretty short period to be a naturist. I am a. I am a spring chicken in the world of naturism. And but
0: you're already willing to say you're a naturist.
3: I. I have yes. I. I tell pretty much everyone, um, including my like my parents knew within, I probably two weeks, which I thought that uh, I thought that would be my biggest stumbling block was telling, you know, coming, coming out to my family about it. Um, but yeah, I, I'm kind of telling everyone.
0: And so how did you come to become a naturist? What was your first time?
3: Uh, so our first time was at Bear Um, and we, we came sort of as a bit of a thrill seeking. You only live once. Um, this seems wild and crazy. Let's give it a try. Um, and and I I didn't I didn't ever expect there were a lot of things that I didn't expect I didn't expect it to be uh, a lifestyle I knew it was a lifestyle for some people um, but I didn't expect it to be a lifestyle that was as uh, as morally rich as it is um, I figured it was just kind of a recreational people like to People like to be naked. People like to sunbathe, and people like to, you know, um, and so that was that was very interesting. Um, but yeah, we 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 kind of set out to to come. Um, we did a practice run. We we got together with a friend and went to a family farm and just kind of laid in the sun naked for an afternoon. Um, at one point, the neighbors. Maybe caught a glimpse of us, so that was uh, that was kind of an interesting an interesting uh, experience. But yeah, we we kind of just we kind of just decided, you know what, we if we're gonna do this, we got to go for it. Now you say we, uh, yeah. So my girlfriend and I um, have both come. I would say my girlfriend enjoys it. Uh, I wouldn't say she's as cuckoo for cocoa puffs about <laughs> about naturism as, as I am. Um, you know, she's, she's on board if the weather's nice and if she can sit outside and read a book and, um, you know, uh, and, 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 that's, that's kind of maybe the extent of it for her right now. Um, whereas I'm like, you know, I don't care what the weather is. I don't care. You know, I don't care what the setting is, whether it's at home watching movies or playing board games or whatever. Um, I've, I've come, become very anti clothing in, in certain settings. Um, so that's again, something that over the course of two months, I didn't expect to have a massive perspective shift. So whose idea was it? you or your girlfriend's? Uh, I would say it was my idea. Um, and it, it was my idea that was strongly enough. My idea, I think my girlfriend kind of realized I was going to try this with or without her. Right? Like this was something I had to go experience this at least once. Um and so she she decided, well, he's gonna go, so I might as well I, I might as I might as well join him and, and go as well. So yeah, definitely my idea. So how did but how did that discussion go? I mean, is this... um well so uh Brianne, my girlfriend, um she has uh she has a family member who who comes to the park. Um, and so we, naturism, well, not even naturism, because I, I didn't understand or know that term. Nudism or being naked socially was something that I was interested in, but didn't. it didn't seem, there was no tangibility to it. It didn't seem some, like something that was achievable. Um, I knew that, I knew of the Ponderosa, um, but I didn't know, I didn't know about Bear Oaks, and I didn't, I didn't have any connection to a naturist place. So it seemed, it seemed like a sort of a big hurdle, right? I've always, I, I, I attribute it to to hunting. If you want to give hunting a try, you, you kind of have to know someone who is also a hunter, right? Typically, you don't. And maybe some people do, but typically you don't go out and get your license and buy yourself a firearm and, and go out into the woods by yourself for the very first time and just give hunting a try. Um, and so I, I kind of saw this as, as sort of the same thing. I need to either know someone who um, who's also into this or know someone who's crazy enough to try it with me that that they'll come as well. It's an interesting analogy, though, if I can...
0: Because you use hunting, but if I use something else like, uh, I don't know, skydiving? Sure. You I don't know that in skydiving or whitewater rafting, you would necessarily need somebody who knows how to do it. You would find an outfit or a place that does it. True, true. So why do you think it's more like the the hunting version example?
3: Um, and I, I don't think that it necessarily is uh, universally like that. Just to me, it was it would i think i think because even though there's fears associated with skydiving um to me the fear like skydiving is something else that's on my bucket list that i'd love to do at some point but to me um it seemed more like uh naturism was sort of a a, a special club that you kind of had to have an in you kind of had to have, um, you kind of had to know someone that was going to say it, you know, come on in. It's cool. Um, I'll show you the ropes. I'll show you, I'll show you what it's all about. Whereas, um, yeah, whereas something like skydiving just seems more, there's no, I mean, and maybe, maybe there are skydiving clubs, groups that get together regularly and go skydiving. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. It just seemed, it seemed like something more that, that, I don't know. I needed a I, I, connection.
0: Yeah, I think that makes sense. I, I agree with you that that is one of the barriers as a, a marketer of naturism that I face is that people, even within my friends, you know that they're, they're interested, but unless I specifically invite them, sure, they won't come. It's like it's my private place, like my house or something. It's not. It's obviously it's a business. It's thousands of people that come here. But unless you've been here, you don't necessarily know that. Right. And I think you're right. It feels like it's some sort of private club that you need to be invited or you need somebody to help you figure it out or something.
3: Well, and I think part of it is from, um, from a textile viewpoint, there's maybe sort of a taboo associated with naturism, um, where it's, it's because it's against textile social norm, Um, it, it's a, yeah, it's just, just uh, people perceive it as a stranger thing or a more intense thing to experience or try. Whereas nobody would consider, nobody would consider skydiving an act of deviance. No one, no one, there's no taboo around skydiving. There's lots of people who would say, no, no way I would never do that. Um, because I, I won't jump out of a plane. That's not, that's not what I want to do. Um. But, I, but there's not really a social taboo about skydiving, right. whereas I think, um, I think a lot of people would consider social nudity as a taboo, as a, as a um, potentially inappropriate setting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so maybe would also see their desire to try it as maybe sort of a secretive, like a guilty pleasure type of thing. Like, this is something I'd, I'd really like to do and it fascinates me, but I, I wouldn't dare ever express that or tell anyone that because that's too taboo. It's too strange. Right, right. So.
0: Okay. So tell me about, so how did you decide to come? Because we've had couples come here for the first time and one of them said to me, it's taken us six years to come
1: because
0: <laughs> you can go today, you can go tomorrow, you can go next month. Presumably, you're not coming in December, but sure. the summer is still three, four months long.
3: Yeah. What how did you pick a date? Um, we, uh, we were both in the process of, so th- this happened mid-July, um, and we both knew that come September, we were moving to Toronto, and we were going to both be in full-time post-secondary programs. Um, and life was just going to get really crazy, that the next two years were not only going to be very busy, uh, but very financially tight. And so, if we were going to do um, from a financial and a practical standpoint, if we were going to try this, and it was going to happen in the next two years, it had to happen this summer. It had to happen before we were in school and pinching pennies and eating nothing but rice and you know whatever whatever's cheap, rice and pork chops. Um, And so, so that was a part of it. Um, I also once my mind was made up that it was something I wanted to try, I didn't want to give myself a lot of time to second guess that or back out. Right. I wanted to say, you know what, we're going to do this or I'm going to do this anyways. Um, and, and so there's no point in procrastinating about it. Like, let's just, you know, let's go do it. Um, and, we knew also like it was July. And so there was a bit of a, there was a bit of a a environmental clock. There was, it's the, it's warm now. It's nice and sunny now. Um, And again, not knowing anything about the, the morals or the ethics or the philosophy of naturism, just knowing that this is a run around naked, jump in the pool, naked, lay out in the sun and dry off naked kind of event, uh, we'd like the weather to be very nice. We'd, we'd like it to be, you know, sort of a warm, because there was no other, that was the only appeal, right? There was no other, the idea of, of um, being free, the idea of acceptance of ourselves and acceptance of others and, and all that, that didn't play a role. That was nowhere on our radar. Um, and so we couldn't see at that point any benefit whatsoever of going in the winter, or going in the fall, right? It it just seemed. I I think I probably assumed that the place shut down when it wasn't summer, hmm. because you know what's the point? It's not right. nice. It's not sunny. Why would you be naked if it's not sunny? If you're not getting a tan, sure. So yeah. So that was that was kind of the perception was that I want to try this. I don't want to wait two years, uh, and so we got to do it now. We got to do it this summer before before it becomes next to impossible to try to do. So so
0: this show is was originally meant to be for naturists, but a lot of people who aren't naturists listen to it. People who are interested. So especially for them,
3: tell us a story. What was that day like? What was that that first time? So we knew uh, we wanted to maximize the experience. We knew we're going to come. It was about a two-hour drive. Um, And so we we wanted to tent. We wanted to camp over um, so that we weren't driving two hours. so that we weren't driving a total of four hours in one day. Um, And so we knew we were going to tent. We're only going to stay one night just because of money and because of whatever else, right? Work schedules. Um, But we wanted to maximize the time here. So the plan was be there when it opens and stay until they'll let us stay on the second day. Stay till they close, be there when they open. Uh, So we hit the road around 7am. We'd packed the night before, which was a weird experience because we, it actually took us longer to pack less because we kept packing things that didn't make any sense. <laughs> right. We kept like, wow, well, you know, what, what are we going to, what do we wear? Well, we don't wear anything. So, you know, well, what if it's cold? Should I bring a sweater? Well, no, is it bad to bring a sweater? I'm going to bring a sweater anyways. It doesn't mean I have to use it. Right. So there was, there was a lot of that. There was a lot of, um, typically if we're going camping somewhere we may or may not bring sunscreen there's not a huge emphasis on sunscreen necessarily this time it was like hey we're gonna need sunscreen um and then a couple hours later it dawned on us oh we're probably really gonna want bug spray as well Um, so so the the packing experience was was very unique um so we hit the road and we were very tired and during the drive, it was early, and we'd been up late the night before. Uh, and we were listening to music and stuff in the car, um, so we weren't really talking about the experience or what was, you know, we're just kind of we're just kind of navigating and and driving, and and so that's not a big deal. Then the GPS said that we were one kilometer away, and my stomach—I can only speak for myself—but my stomach kind of just did a flip and I went, Oh, I don't know if I can do this. Like what, what, ex- what is it that I've gotten myself into? What do we, you know, um, I knew that we were, that I was going to do it. I'd, I'd driven two hours. We packed everything, you know, hate it or not. I'm, I'm going to try this. Um, we may not stay the whole time, but we're definitely, I'm, I'm definitely not leaving without taking my clothes off. Um, and so, the image that I had of the place in my head wasn't helping either. I'd been on the website, um, and so I I knew on the, from reading the website that it was there was a preference to not not a demand, but the preference, the ideal is undress in the car, undress at the car, and then walk in and and you know check in in the nude. Uh, that idea was terrifying to me. And I knew that we didn't have to do that, that it was perfectly acceptable for us to have an adjustment period. But I didn't want to take advantage of the adjustment period because I was afraid that I'd be given an inch and I'd take a foot. I, I, I you know, if I allow myself to take my time taking my clothes off, I'm really going to take my time and I don't want to do that. Um, and so in my head, I didn't know anything about the layout of the park though. So in my head... I kind of imagined that there was uh, there was a parking lot and that there'd be sort of a big office building that maybe was like an amusement park. And the office building acted as a barricade between the parking lot and the rest of the park, right? Um, so I didn't imagine that from the parking lot, we would see anyone else who is naked. So in my mind, we're going to pull up. I'm going to be in a parking lot just with my with Brianne we're going to be in a parking lot we're going to be standing there and we're going to undress and then walk into this office building on good faith that we're not the only naked people walking into you know that we don't show up and suddenly realize oh this is the wrong campground um or you know something like it which is which was very nerve-wracking because in no other setting in society is it normal to undress and walk into an office building. Um, so that was that was a big fear. That fear disappeared pretty quickly when we showed up. Uh, we buzzed in through the... There's a, an automated gate that we buzzed into and rounded the corner uh, towards the office. And before we'd even parked the car, there was a sea of naked people. And within the course of about two minutes... I became uncomfortable dressed because all of a sudden it was, it. it you, you were the minority. You were the only naked person there or mm-hmm. the only, sorry, the only non-naked person there, the only clothed person. Um, it helped that we came, we came on family weekend. Um, and so as we arrived, people were gearing up to, to run a race. Um, so there were naked people stretching and, and warming up and, and, it was just it was, for me, it was it was this very overwhelming relief that, uh, you know, that we weren't we weren't in the wrong place, first of all, and that we didn't have to undress by ourselves and then walk through some sort of gate into this world that we assumed, also had the same morals and ideas that Mm -hmm. we did. It just became abundantly clear. Everyone else here is also naked. They intend to be naked and that's okay. Likewise, going into the office, all the office staff is naked. Everybody is naked. And so, yeah, you would, you would feel very uncomfortable. I think I would imagine clothed. And even to this day, I've been, I've come to the park five or six times, um, some of those, some of those times were for like four day stretches. So I've spent a good chunk of time here considering it's only been two months and I still feel when I pull up and get out of my car, uh, and I'm, you know, grabbing a towel out of the trunk and doing whatever, I still feel a little awkward being clothed during that, that, you know, the 30 second turnaround from when I get out of the car to when I'm taking my clothing off. Um, So that's, yeah, that was, it was terrifying. The first day was absolutely terrifying um, until, until we were here. And as soon as, as soon as that, as soon as we'd gotten past that sort of drive up the laneway kind of thing, it, uh, it became increasingly easier as we went.
0: And when do you think you decided that you, you were going to be a naturist or you were a naturist?
3: was it the first visit? It was, I think it was, it was, it was either on the second day of the first visit um, or within the next day or two that followed. I think it was a combination of things. Um, I was in love with the experience uh, by the end of the first day. By the end of the first day, this is amazing. The weather's beautiful, the pond's there, everyone's very carefree. Um, and so I was in love with the experience, uh, but I didn't know a lot about the the ethical side of it still. I didn't know a lot about um, some of the principles, right? I knew the rules and I knew what the sun felt like on my skin. And I knew, you know, I was, my senses were overwhelmed um, in, a, in a very positive way. But I didn't know, there was a couple of things I was still unsure about, um, one was the notion. I think my big hang up was I didn't know if I liked the idea of potentially raising a family this way. Um I I saw families around uh and I didn't really have an issue with that, but I had a lot of questions. I had questions about um consent and 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 how it works to raise your kids like this. And uh yeah. On the drive home, read a pamphlet about family raising your family in naturism, um, and listened to a uh, a episode of the Nature's Living Show. Um, the the one where Nicole leaves nature as a teenager leaves naturism and comes back and all this right. Um, And within the course of the two hour drive home, I went from I don't know how I feel about raising my family like this, to I'm pretty sure this is the only way I can raise my family. Um, because all of the morals and all of the, uh, all of the benefits that can be gained by, but that this pamphlet was suggesting could be gained by a child growing up like this were all things that were important for me to have instilled in my children. Um, and I suddenly saw all of, the, all of the youth at Bear Oaks as being uh, at such an advantage in their, in their perspective, in their mindset, in their interpretation of other people, in their interpretation of themselves, of their own body image. Um, and so that just, I, I, think, I think that, I think the, the positive effect that I was seeing on families and on the dynamic of family, and and, and I've got a I've got a, a background and history in youth working, um, and so the positive influence that it has on youth, um, I think that was that was the the final nail in the coffin for me. I was like, no, that's it. This is this is this is who I am now. So
0: yeah. And so for the future, uh, you said you told your your mother. Yes. Are you telling everybody?
3: Uh, Pretty much. Um, I don't have, uh, I mean, my employer at the time um, was already, already partook in the lifestyle. So telling them wasn't really, you know, being worried about my employer finding out wasn't wasn't Mm -hmm. an issue. Um, And I've told pretty much all of my, yeah, all of my close friends and uh, I've told my mom, I don't, I haven't talked to my siblings about it yet, and I don't know if, if they've found, like, I don't know um, the extent of, of what, who my mom has told and, and, you know, what that looks like. I haven't put it on my social media. Like, I haven't gone on Facebook and said, hey, by the way, this is who I am now. This is what I do. Um, and I'm not sure why that is. Um, I just know that I don't, I'm not there yet. Um, I've got, I mean, some of it, some of it is my, my affiliation with different youth centers and working with youth. Um, I don't see that as an issue, but I, I feel like maybe others would. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I don't want to, I don't want to make anyone else uncomfortable, right? I don't want the parents of the youth that I'm working with. To have any sort of misplaced um, distrust in me f- for any reason, um, and so, but I mean, and as a youth worker, there's there's a lot of aspects of our, you know, we, you know, I I I will occasionally indulge in an alcoholic beverage. Well, we don't talk about that with the youth because it's, you know, there's mm-hmm. there's sort of a um, there's sort of boundaries when it comes to stuff like that. So I think that's the main reason why I haven't, I haven't made a banner and displayed it to the world yet. Um, but anyone I've had a one-on-one conversation with, I not only tell them about it, I become persistent in the notion of them trying it as well. And I keep telling people I. So I've had I've had conversations that have lasted two or three hours about naturism um, with people who have never considered it, never. Never thought about trying it. Um, and my, the conversations always end with me saying, look, I can't force you to go. I wouldn't want to force you to go. But I'm not going to stop inviting you, right? So, <laughs> so you know, next summer, I'm going to say, hey, I'm going in a week. Have you changed your mind? Did you want to come? You know, and if the answer is no, that's great. No worries.
0: Did you have any success this year?
3: Uh, I have brought, we have brought one person, um, and she had a blast. Uh, it's, it's so interesting to see naturism through other people's perspectives, Mm -hmm. um, and what it means to them and, and how they interact with the environment, um, with the naturist environment. Um, and so the friend that we brought her interpretation was, I feel, I feel like a little kid again she said the fact that i can i can run naked into the into the lake and come back out and air dry and be goofy and be silly uh and and there's not sort of this no no one's no one's scolding me for running around naked um to her was this was this doorway to something that she had that had been taken away from her a long time ago the the freedom of I don't need to be ashamed of Mm -hmm. my body, Um, so that to her was a very magical, a very magical experience. Has anybody had any negative experiences? Or sorry, not not experiences, negative negative reactions to. Um, I would say not so far as to hey, I don't want to be your friend anymore. Um, I've had, I've had friends tell me that they flat out morally don't agree with it. and that they would never try it, and that they're not going to disassociate with me because I because I do it. Um, most of my friends think I'm kind of out there and strange as it is. So, this this hasn't really changed that for them. Um, but yeah, I've definitely had people say, "I think that's wrong." Hmm. Um, I you know I I think that. Um, I've had I've actually had the strangest one and the most unfortunate one that I've heard was I've had someone tell me that it's that we as we're going through puberty, teenagers develop naturally, intentionally, and very healthily develop shame. (laughs) And that's that it's important that they develop that that, you know, bodily shame because it's what protects them and it's what, um, it's what helps them from not becoming sexually deviant and not being, uh, you know, willing to take their clothes off in front of everyone and, and sort of keeps their hormones in check. And I, I, it's, it's such a laughable notion to me now. Yeah, it, it doesn't make you know, sense. Whereas where I, I, and to be fair, six months ago, maybe that would have made some sense to me. Right? Maybe I would have gone, okay, yeah sure, Except you know, you don't want teenagers running around naked and you don't yeah, want, but you know.
0: teenagers don't really have their hormones in check,
3: no, oh absolutely, <laughs> no wearing clothes
0: right. is not stopping the teen pregnancies it or the the sexual activity anything.
3: or in fact, honestly, I think it makes it worse, yeah, um because you're you're introducing an overwhelming sense of curiosity in teenagers mm-hmm. um and they go out and they seek uh. They seek what it is that they're curious about, right? Which which probably starts somewhere on the internet, and then from there, eventually the your internet searches to, just don't quite quench that thirst for for knowledge and that that thirst for experiencing the naked body, um, and so then they seek it in person. And nine times out of ten, that's that's in a sexual nature, right? In the textile world, it's weird for a teenager to walk up to another teenager and say. Uh, is, you know, do you want to come over after school and we'll just hang out in my bedroom naked and understand each other's bodies and learn about yeah, no, they, nudity, right? Don't That's do not, that. It's, it's not yeah. a thing, right? So the only non-weird way as a textile teenager to hang out with people naked, aside from skinny dipping, which is wonderful, but mostly happens in the dark and submerged in water. So you're really not exploring or understanding or or you know that's more of the, the thrill seeking way the only other way to do it is is through sexual contact right and so yeah I, I honestly I think I think it's just like anything if something's if something's not allowed it becomes that much more desirable um, so telling teenagers keep your clothes on be ashamed of your body is just is just fueling this this sort of teen pregnancy and, and, uh, sexual activeness at a young age.
0: So what's the future for you with regards to naturism?
3: Well, uh, I've kind of, I've kind of dove in head first. So most, most, most things in my life, if I enjoy something, um, I get very involved. I'm not good at just participating. I'm not good at just consuming. Um, you know, I want to help I want to be behind the scenes. I want to, you know, run a light or I want to help, you know, make the show happen. And so, um, you know, first and foremost, like I said, I've become a recruiter. Um, it's, it's my personal goal now to, to do two things. One is I want to normalize social nudity um, in my own dwelling right? So I want to be able to explore the world of having friends come over and, and have tea and play a board game or watch a movie um, and kind of check your clothing at the door type of thing. Mm. Um, Because I, again, I think that it, it just opens, it, it makes all of the social interaction that's going to happen while hanging out that much more honest and that much more genuine and that much more, you know, Um, you're not, you're not able to show up wearing a a mask essentially. Um, so that is something that I'm, I don't know how to go about. I don't know how to navigate and have those conversations with people yet. Um, but that's something that's on my radar. Um, and I also want to get all of my friends that I possibly can to come and, uh, to come and, and experience this as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just want to, yeah, I, I want to experience as much. There, there's, I'm learning more and more about different uh, vacation spots around the world that you can go and um, go and experience. And as a broke college student, that's, some of those are maybe currently very unattainable, um, but someday. Uh, and yeah, I, I, I've recently, um, so I've, I've been a DJ for many years um, and I've recently DJed in the nude for the very first time so that was um, that was interesting Um, I I've I'm no stranger to podcasting and this is the first time I've recorded a a podcast naked so that's you know that's (laughs) a a, a very interesting even though I even though I always record in the comfort of my own home it's just never occurred to me you know you're home alone right 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 record naked sure Um, and so yeah I look forward to to exploring DJing naked more. I think there's, we've got some stuff potentially on the horizon for that. Um, and, uh, I've even toyed with the idea of, of potentially, uh, seeking summer employment in, in a naturist camp. Um, so that, you know, it's, it's kind of, I, I kind of want it to be a big part of, of my identity and a big part of who I am. And, and uh, you know, I, I can see myself easily getting a trailer and being a seasonal camper somewhere, having having, you know, maintaining yearly memberships and really embracing embracing the lifestyle. Right? It's recently I, I was saying to my girlfriend Brianne the other day, um I, I there are few with the exception of like Disney World and and Universal and stuff. I I now any of the vacations that I think about when I think about going to Cuba now, I think about going to Cuba to a naturist resort. I think about going to vacations spots where my vacation can be laying on the beach or by the pool, having a drink, doing whatever, but not confined by a bathing suit and clothing and and whatever else. So that's that's been kind of an interesting shift as well. That, uh, yeah, all of my thinking about where I want to go and what I want to do kind of involve, in some manner, involve how does that, how can I tie that back to naturism?
0: Well, that's all once again for this episode of The Naturist Living Show. Hope you enjoyed this episode, and thank you so much for listening as always. My name is Stéphane Deschaines. I'm your host for this podcast and the owner of Baroque's Family Naturist Park. I make the show with the help of Samantha, who's our new producer, who's been keeping things organized. And you can find links to all of the items that I mentioned in this episode in the show notes on the website at naturistlivingshow.com. Keep uh, sending your notes and your comments and your suggestions and your ideas. I always appreciate reading them. It keeps me going. Uh, The show's email address is contact at naturistlivingshow.com. You can also call and leave a comment. Uh... You can take as many tries as you want. You can uh, delete it even if you're not happy. I don't promise I use it, but uh, as you've heard in some of the most recent episodes, when we get one that's interesting, we definitely put it in the show. So just dial... Country code 1, area code 905-473-6060. Toll free if you're in the U.S. and Canada, 1-888-373-9124. Or by Skype, just Skype Bear Oaks, B-A-R-E-O-A-K-S. And then no matter what, that gets you into the uh, Bear Oaks phone system. And the show's extension is 333. So I hope you enjoyed this show and that you'll join us again for the next episode of The Naturist Living Show.
1: This episode of The Naturist Living Show was brought to you by Bear Oaks Family Naturist Park, traditional naturist values in a modern setting. Traditional values means that naturism is more than just taking your clothes off. It is a life philosophy with physical, psychological, environmental, social, and moral benefits. Bear Oaks Family Naturist Park strives to promote those naturist values in a modern setting that provides the amenities and services that our members and visitors expect. Free your body, free your mind. Learn more at www.bearoaks.ca. It's Robert, he's a member. Haven't you met him? Member? Of what?
2: Of the nudist camp. Aren't you members? Nudist? Gosh, no, we're tourists. Ouch! Well, how interesting. Uh, can anyone join the camp?
3: Oh, Robert, come here. These girls came here by mistake. Now they want to become members. Do you think we could sponsor them?
2: Why not? We can try. The more the merrier.
1: I'm Barbara and this is Emma. How do you
2: do? I'm more than glad. I'll drive you up to camp.